This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. This is Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Checking in once again with Tony Roach of Roach's Guide Service. Tony, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Cal. We just uh, touched base a little bit before we got rolling. You have been busy uh, in all aspects of the outdoors lately. Oh, man, Kevin. Fall is one of those time periods that just goes by way too quickly. I tell my wife, I tell my friends, I wish this time of year would last about two months longer. I know most sportsmen feel that same way. I've heard that on your radio show before. <laughs> so I know everyone feels like that right now. They do, because there's so much to do. And, you you know, you were just uh, rattling off uh, not only the fishing, but, you know, you're one of those guys that that wants to do it all. And you're hunting for pheasants, you're hunting for grouse, you're doing some archery. And, of course, now we got a rifle opener this weekend. Yeah, uh, you know, this time of year I just kind of play the weather. If it's flat, calm, and sunny, uh, you know, and and obviously above 40 degrees, I I like to get out fishing in the afternoons. Uh, Matter of fact, yesterday did kind of a combo trip went crappie fishing in the morning uh just kind of fishing along these wintering basins and then walleye fishing in the afternoon and the day before that uh i happened to be grouse hunting all day i was going to fish in the afternoon but i was putting up a lot of birds and the dog i think man every time we're on the doorstep of rifle season i don't get to bird hunt with my dog as much so uh <laughs> you know i i have like that overwhelming drive to get out there grouse hunting um, just got back from western Minnesota and a South Dakota trip and shot some pheasants out there. The bird numbers are good there. So, yeah, there's just a lot to do this time of year. If you had to pick one, what would be your favorite type of hunting? Could not pick one. There's <laughs> no way. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's like fishing when someone says, hey, would you have to pick a certain type of fishing? I can't do that. Because... I like the seasonal changes. I love being able to get out to the Dakotas and hunt pheasants. Um, I also like duck hunting and waterfall hunting, although I don't get to do it as much as I used to when I was younger. Um, but I also like sitting in a bow stand, like Halloween time period. Uh, I love rifle hunting because I love deer camp. Uh, but fall fishing, like yesterday, I I could hardly sleep. I thought, man, what am I going to do tomorrow? Just because. The fishing was so good. I mean, I, I, I actually pulled up the long-term forecast. I'm like, Man, if I get a couple nice days in here, I'm going to get back out on the water. There is absolutely no one on the water. All the docks are pulled out, uh, and the fish are going crazy right now. With this, Even though it's been cold the last few weeks, the surface temperatures were a lot warmer than I had anticipated. Um, there was some ice along the shoreline. Some of the ponds were frozen. So I thought, oh, man, surface temps are going to be... 40 or below but they weren't they were mid 40s uh, like i said i went pan fishing in the morning a lot of the fish were on the edges of these wintering basins but i found some monster schools of fish that were you know 15 feet down in the water column all the way to 30 feet of depth and that the schools went for like a hundred yards i mean it was just you could see them on 2d sonar you could see them on forward facing sonar so i just started sort of targeted those fish that were up higher in the water column picked off the aggressive ones i started right away in the morning yesterday morning at like 8 30 9 o'clock caught a bunch of crappies and then when i had my fill of that 
uh, packed up the boat and then went walleye fishing. And same thing, the walleyes are still in the shallows. Saw a lot of shiners, uh, just a ton of bait in the shallows still. So, you know, I think those fish are just going to remain there until ice up. Um, is there anything in particular they want to bite on, or they don't, or do they care even? You know, I I um, usually let the fish tell me what they want. <laughs> they definitely wanted a little bit slower jigging cadence, uh, the crappies and the walleyes, but. No, I mean, I caught most of the uh, crappies on jig wraps. I caught some on plastics. I think you could have thrown anything down there. They were, they were actually moving in the water column pretty swiftly to hit the baits. Um, you know, matter of fact, most of the time my line would go slack. Like, I didn't even feel the bite. You know, your line just goes slack, which is pretty typical when you're fishing, you know, those, those suspended basin fish. But, I mean, it was incredible how slack the line was going. And then, uh, you know, with the walleyes, I'd see the schools of fish, I'd pitch on them, and they didn't want it snap jigging. Uh, it was more of a drag, you know. Um, they didn't care what kind of minnow was on there. It was a fathead, shiner, rainbow. You know, this time of year, anglers aren't going to be that picky at a bait shop because it's harder to get bait anyway, and a lot of bait shops are closed for the season. So I just went in, stopped at a few bait shops, got kind of a variety of minnows, and uh yeah, they, they didn't want that pop drag or even a pop. It was just sort of pitch it out there and then lift it and then just let it sit there. And they were hitting it so hard when it was sitting on the bottom that they were the opposite of the crappies. They were cracking the braid almost like they would hit a jigging wrap or a plastic. And so it made for a really fun day. I mean, you'd throw it out there. Those fish would dive down and just hold it there, lift it if you didn't get a bite, and just let it sit there lift it and it was almost this really slow cadence where it would sit on the bottom for you know upwards of 10 seconds before i jig it and those fish it was amazing when they hit it how hard they were cracking that bait huh um i'm not going to ask for any secret lakes or secret spots you might have been fishing but in general have you been on the lax or you've been traveling around you know, earlier in the month uh well earlier in october till about mid-october i was uh um, you know, up on Leech and Winnie a lot. Okay. Uh, I did fish Malax a little bit. Uh, I had a couple smallmouth trips earlier in the month. Uh, you know, but the last few weeks, uh, I've been staying a little bit closer to home. I drove down to Malax yesterday. That's where I was catching the walleyes. Uh, but then, you know, we're we're so fortunate. Regardless of where you live in central or northern Minnesota, there's so many lakes around that you want to hit that you just don't have time to do so. And uh, you know, a few of these lakes that are like lake river systems, um, I love that this time of year. I, I grew up on, on sort of a lake river system, and, you know, I used to cast from shore and catch walleyes, uh, you know, and it, especially if we get a lot of rain, like in late October or November, it really kind of charges those fish to move into those areas. And especially towards the evening, you can find a lot of fishing opportunities, not just from a boat, but from shore casting perspective. And, uh, there's so many things I want to do yet, but, you know, the woods are calling me, my dog <laughs> is calling me, so I, I doubt I'm going to be able to get them all in, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of seeing my days on, on the water dwindle away here as, as, the, as we get into November, which is pretty typical just because I'm getting pulled in so many different directions, so many things I want to accomplish in the fall, but, uh, you know, even last year, I mean, and we're still talking about it this year, mid-November, heading out to Sakakawea, um, out in North Dakota. That is an incredible fishery year-round. But in the fall, I mean, we got some behemoths out there last year and just giant walleyes. We got a, 
a bunch of smallmouth kind of in this wintering rock shelf point they were all hanging on and um, yeah, just a lot to do, Kev. <laughs> there is. I mean, and and again, if you're into all of it, it, it is tough to make a decision. But soon enough, that'll be done, and then uh, there's going to be ice on the uh, on the on the water, and we're going to be talking about hard water fishing. Um, it was a bit of a frustrating year last year for hard water fishing. I think a lot of it comes down to when does the snow come, and how difficult does that snow make it to get out on the ice. Uh, but in general, are you a, do you like hard water fishing or are you just uh, more of a soft water guy? No, absolutely love it. Uh, just like, you know, I was talking earlier, the season changes. I love going from open water to ice. And then again, at the end of the ice season, I am ready to get in the boat. You know, I love mm-hmm. going up to rainy in the spring or heading out to green Bay. You know, I'm ready to get back in the boat, but right now, you know, as I get into deer season, it seems like. The more trees that I stare at in a deer stand, the more eager I am to get out ice fishing. And it really drives me to ice fishing. And even being out the last few weeks, uh, a lot of these fish that are setting up, let's say panfish, for example, that are setting up on these wintering basins on the edges, I mark those spots because you can walk out there, you know, two, three weeks from now when we start getting ice, and those fish are in those same locations uh, or very similar. They're usually not too far away. So unless... You have a monster of a basin, a lake that you're fishing, or a monster basin within that lake. Um, they usually don't roam too far. A lot of times, I can go to that exact spot, drill a hole, and they're, you know, within a hundred yards of where you found them in the fall. Uh, same thing with walleyes uh, or perch. You know, these fall spots that I mark, I'm, I not only mark fish, but I mark standing vegetation. Uh, yesterday, I was looking at a lot of vegetation that was still standing. So, you know. Typically, that means that stuff will last into the winter as it gets capped over, and that really green standing cabbage is going to remain intact. And those are all great places to start early ice, especially for like peak feeding periods for walleyes. You know, that morning evening bite. Those those spots that hold fish in November are going to hold fish in December when you step foot on the ice. So you know, open water and ice are, are you know the the, the fish fish are fish right a lot of people mm-hmm. think of ice fishing and open water as something totally different and it's really not uh and so i i take this time period not just to find fish um and, and catch fish and have fun but to mark those spots so that i know where i'm going to start drilling and save myself a little work overall view of of this year in fishing and you fish in a lot of places so you can give us me just kind of a general view of minnesota fishing this year but also your your backyard malax in particular what would you say? Good fishing season, okay fishing season, bad fishing season? I would say excellent. Okay. Um, you know, it started out a little weird, I would say, uh, with it being so cold in the spring. I love crappie fishing in the spring. I didn't get to do a ton of that. And then all of a sudden, boom, we had that really sharp warm-up in May where it went from, uh, you know, throwing jigs in shallow water to, wow, they're they're moving out to mid-lake structure and you're you're having to do different things to get them to bite and uh, use different techniques. And um, that was the only weird part of the season. Uh, uh, other than that, um, you know, and, and, and the fishing was incredible through that time period, but you had a, to adapt as an angler. I thought, you know, as quickly as it warmed up that July and August were going to be tough and they weren't. It seemed like it cooled down surface temperatures, you know, actually cooled in some of those time periods and, the fishing was good everywhere. I mean, not just Mille Lacs, but 
Winnie, Leach. Uh, I fished all around Brainerd, um, Aiken, McGregor. You know, that's sort of my backyard. And every lake I went to, it seemed like the fish were biting. You know, it was it was a really good year. I primarily chase walleyes, but I do plenty of panfish trips. I do some bass trips, and I had a great season. I, I I really thought it was a good year all the way through. We've had a really nice fall for the most part. So, um, you know, when you're fishing in the fall and you've had such a nice warm summer and then all of a sudden you get in the fall and it's snow and sleet and wind every day, it sort of wears on me as a guide, you know. I've always said the fishing, I never get sick of the fishing portion of my job. I get sick of the weather. And that wasn't the case this year. This fall was absolutely beautiful. I would pop out of bed, grab a cup of coffee, couldn't be more excited to get on the water. The fish were biting, and it was just one of those years. It was it was fantastic, Kevin. You know, and I've heard that pretty much across the board. A couple spots, maybe not so much, but most of what I've heard, it's been a great fishing year. The other question regarding that, okay, we had a great year this year. What about year classes? Did you see a lot of your different year classes? Are we looking good for the future? I think so. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. Like, I, it seems like, especially that, you know, zero to one age class or those really small walleye year classes, it, it seems like I don't really see those fish until winter when I'm really downsizing my jigs. You know, you're using small minnows, small plastics small jigging wraps, and all of a sudden you start catching some of those smaller walleyes. Um, but I will say there's been a few spots where I, I'm throwing jigging wraps and I'm catching some of the smaller fish. Uh, plus, I'm catching big fish and I'm catching all sizes of fish. I would say, you know, top to bottom, most of our fisheries that I fish seem to be in really good shape right now. Malax in particular, there's a lot of little fish in the lake. There's a bunch of big ones coming up. You know, you can always go to Mille Lacs and catch those bigger fish. Um, leech seems really, really healthy as far as the amount of year classes in Leech Lake. Uh, Winnie, obviously, the numbers and that, you know, those those couple year classes that are in there are incredible. Um, yeah, Kev, I would say across the board, as far as walleyes are concerned, we're in pretty good shape for several years. Now, my concern with a few lakes would be perch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um bigger perch populations. I, I've only got a few lakes where I can go and trust and go get big perch consistently. Um, and so, you know, I know perch kind of, there's ebbs and flows with perch populations and perch density and size structure of perch. And a lot of our big fisheries, the perch can grow really rapidly because of all the invertebrates in the lake and, you know, the food sources that they have. But you know, there's a lot of lakes in particular where I used to catch giant perch, and I'm not seeing them anymore. But, you know, that could go hand-in-hand hand with, you know, some of the, the increase of walleye populations. It could just be, you know, timing where we're at in these perch cycles. But that would be my only concern. It seems like there's plenty of small perch. So, you know, I, I don't see, like, a, a problem with bait fish in some of these lakes. But, you know, just getting those big giant perch schools and, and numbers of a big jumbo perch you know i i love chasing perch mid to late winter and then again in the fall it's 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 one of the species that i grew up fishing for uh, my dad used to take me to winnie all the time as a kid we'd drill a ton of holes in the winter and then we'd go back there in the fall and it was just always something that i loved doing and it's harder and harder to find it's almost like bluegills you know finding those big bluegills have been getting harder and harder to find over the last decade or so 
Talking all things outdoors with Tony Roach, but we're going to continue with the fishing talk next. Hi, this is Scott Mockintoon. You're listening to Paul Bunyan Country, because if you were watching, your eyes would hurt. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Will Pampoos and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because Kev Jackson needs all the help he can get. Talking all things outdoors with Tony Roach. We've done some hunting talk. we got more of that coming up. But right now we're in the midst of some fishing talk. On Mille Lacs in particular, what are you seeing? I mean, I know it sounded like it was a pretty good walleye year and certainly some numbers in there. Uh, what about the bass? What about the muskies? What have you heard? What have you experienced? Um, I don't do a ton of muskie trips anymore. You know, when I was young, younger, I'm not, I'm not that old, but <laughs> when I was younger, I was really, I love chasing muskies a lot more than I do now. It's really not my passion. I don't, I don't do any guiding of muskies, but I see a fair amount. And um, I would say, you know, there's definitely big fish in the lake. I don't think the numbers are there um, like they used to as far as muskies on Mille Lacs, um, but certainly they're there. I see them in the spring. Mille Lacs is such a, a weird lake because it has, a lot of structure, first of all, but second of all, it has a lot of basin, and so it can hide fish uh, pretty easily. You know, those muskies go out into the basin and they disappear. They only show up spring and fall when they're feeding on ciscos now, and um, you know, so that's a tough fish to say, hey, there's not very many in there. Um, right. I think they're there. I think uh, anglers that are chasing them all the time uh, know would have a lot better idea of where they're at day to day than I do. But as far as the smallmouth bass, it's incredible fishery still. Uh, if the fish a little bit different um, than I did 10 years ago, prior to, you know, the BASS Angler of the Year tournament and kind of the spotlight that was shed on the lack, I mean, you could go anywhere, throw a jerk, jerk bait, a rattling wrap, a tube, anything, right, and catch smallmouth bass on the reefs. And now, um, you know, there's some reefs that get hit all the time that I don't even go there, right? Uh, I, I tend to chase fish in, in different areas, kind of the secondary reefs, some of the stuff where the map might not show a lot, but there's a bunch of big boulders out there. You know, I've always been really good about marking structure because structure doesn't move. Fish move, but structure doesn't move. And so, you know, I have a lot of uh, different areas that I fish now that I, you know, I never used to. And a lot of that came from you know, the pressure, people see rock buoys, right? They're, it's like a beacon for, um, you know, bass anglers to start hitting those spots. For me, I, I, I kind of hit some of these sharper breaks, uh, boulders, some of these areas that, you know, don't get hit quite as hard. And then what I've really learned about smallmouth over the last, you know, 10 years is how much they roam. They are notorious roamers. Sometimes they'll be in wolf packs off of structure, and you're throwing a jerkbait there, they might be over 12 to 14 feet of water, but they're only four to six feet down. So I tend to power fish a lot. I throw a lot of jerkbaits, especially spring and fall. I love throwing jerkbaits, not just for smallmouth, but walleyes. Um, 
Mille Lacs is a fun destination because you can go out and throw a jerk bait like in the fall or spring and just have a blast, right? You're mm-hmm. catching everything. You're catching walleyes, bass, the occasional pike. Every once in a while, a muskie. Muskies love jerk baits. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, if someone's new to just fishing Mille Lacs in general, I mean, throwing a jerk bait or a paddle tail in the spring or fall, um, you're just going to, you're going to catch fish. Okay, let's let's get uh, back to the hunting talk a little bit. You, you've been out doing some, so tell me a little bit about that. Have you seen plenty of uh, birds? Have you seen plenty of deer? Uh, does it look like the the woods are full of uh, stuff we need? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you hear everything about roadside counts for pheasants and the grouse numbers are up, but, you know, you really don't know for yourself until you get out there and experience it. And I would say for me, for the most part, grouse numbers are up. Uh, we had an excellent woodcock migration that came through. Uh, those are pretty much gone now with this cold weather and the freeze-ups at night. Um, had a blast doing that with my dog. My dog's like in prime form right now. She's seven years old, so she's just in the prime of her life. I hunt with a uh, British lab. She's a pointer. Um, just love hunting with her. She's, you know just my bud, you know, and, yeah. and we enjoy it. I, I don't even really have to talk to her anymore. Just a few hand signals, maybe some light whistles every once in a while, but we don't even communicate. I mean, she looks at me when she's getting birdie. I know all her signs. So mm-hmm. that's what I love about bird hunting. And same thing with, with getting out to Western Minnesota, South Dakota. I heard roadside counts were up of pheasants. Um, yeah, I found that to be true. I mean, I hunt a lot of public ground. I, I did have an opportunity to go out to South Dakota and hunt at a buddy's farm, and we got our limit of birds both days. But I do love the challenge of public hunting, too, especially this year with the crops being out early. Um, yeah, had a blast. I mean, it was just a, a great year. Uh, I could do without the ticks when I'm grouse hunting, <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, those are healthy populations right now. There's every night we came home from grouse hunting, you were picking ticks off. And every day that it was sub-zero, I thought, okay, they're going to be gone now. And <laughs> they just continue to thrive. Ugh. So uh, no, no worries about the populations of ticks in Minnesota. Well, between venison, the various birds, and fish, do you even have to go to the grocery store? Uh, <laughs> well, I'd like to tell, tell uh, all the listeners and my wife that we don't have to shop at Amazon anymore. We <laughs> You know, kind of live off the grid, but yeah, we, we certainly still do need to go to the store. No, I, I live for the hunting, not not just for the harvest portion, but like I said, the dogs and the experience. Yep. The other night I was out bow hunting. I obviously didn't harvest a deer, but just watching the bucks chasing the does and the interaction, and I had a nice eight-pointer about 55 yards out. And that experience alone right there, Kevin, that's why I do it. You know, yeah. I, I hunt around Halloween in my bow stand just to see that stuff you know that's the, the you know the woods are are pretty much untouched at that point you don't have a lot of people pressuring the deer yet they're doing their own thing it's just really cool to see even when i'm grouse hunting i try to walk the trails really quietly because i like seeing deer i like seeing other animals i saw a fisher this year um i saw countless numbers of deer you know it just it's really fun to be out in the woods and just experiencing that and just being part of it rather than, you know, kind of stomping through the woods and chasing everything away. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned deer camp. Let's talk about deer camp. Um, is it uh, multiple generations? How many people are there? Do you have your own cabin? How does it all work? Deer camp is basically at my house now, Kevin. Oh. Uh, we hunt at my place ever since my grandpa passed. You know, we, we used to go over to my grandpa's and we had our deer camp over there with my dad and my grandpa and my uncles. And, uh, you know, when my grandpa passed, it was or just before he passed, you know, I kind of, um, we had purchased our house and our land and we started kind of shifting back then to my place. And now, I mean, it's full fledged deer camp at my house. Uh, you know, We'll have the crock pots going with chili. We always eat venison on Friday night before deer hunting. Uh, but now it's like kids' deer camp, right? I'm the guide. I don't even carry a gun out to the stand anymore. <laughs> I just basically wake them up when a deer comes in and feed them. And, yeah, so it's really fun. We have multiple generations. My dad still hunts. Uh, you know, my wife and mom don't hunt, but they come to deer camp. They make a lot of food, a lot of desserts. Uh, it's just a fun experience. We have fun. We joke around. Uh, again, deer hunting is not the priority on the list, although I love to hunt and my kids love to harvest a nice deer. And so, you know, it's just a camaraderie of deer camp. I have a few buddies that come. One of my friends from South Dakota that I had hunted at his farm, he'll be here second weekend with his daughter. And yeah, we just have a blast. We joke around. We're trying to pass on that tradition to our kids and so hopefully one day they can take us hunting kevin they'll be the guys <laughs> i'm the one in the stand with a gun again that's right that's right you, you you've earned you will have earned that um i was just telling somebody that uh you know deer hunting is like minnesota's biggest holiday and then there are those lesser holidays of thanksgiving christmas and new year's <laughs> well, we were just discussing my son and i were just discussing like plans for thanksgiving day because we typically will either ice fish or grouse hunt or do something in the outdoors Thanksgiving morning, right? Because we want to burn a bunch of calories because we know my mom is going to cook, uh, you know, enough food for about 50 people. And so we always try to, like, plan our hunting events on Thanksgiving. We do the same on Christmas. Christmas morning, we've done a ton of grouse hunting uh, we've done obviously lots of fishing, ice fishing on Christmas, but even holidays, we try to get out in the outdoors because especially now with my kids, I mean, they're busy with sports, their friends, their teenagers, things that are pulling them in different directions. It seems like holidays like that will bring them back home so that we can, we can do those things together as a family. Yeah. And that's, yeah, at this stage of life, that's important. Uh, I've been through that. Now mine are adults, and so yeah, it's 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 a different uh, it's a different vibes uh, next time around. But that's it's a good one too. But uh, I think that is the beauty of living in a place like Minnesota that has these kinds of traditions and are so important to so many people. Um, you you can do that, uh, and and it's not even really an effort, right? I mean, it's just a way of life. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I grew up some, I hunt and fish because my dad brought me hunting and fishing. And I was fortunate enough to grow up in, you know, northern Minnesota where I, I lived on a lake river system where I got to fish every day that I wanted. I got to get off the school bus and go grouse hunting with my buddies. Uh, one of our teachers in school actually had a contest who could ever bring in the largest tail feather of a grouse you'd win like everybody bringing a quarter or something i don't remember what the pot was itself but you know 
I just remember at a young age just wanting to be out in the outdoors and experience this stuff. And, you know, it's basically makes up who I am today. And I want to carry those traditions on with my kids, hopefully my grandkids one day. I want them to experience everything that I was able to experience. And so, uh, you know, just watching these kids grow up and now they're old enough to kind of hunt with their friends and fish with their friends to watch them go out, take the boat out themselves, you know, go bass fishing for the day, uh, you know, and come back in and just have a, had a blast, right. Or to go grouse hunting, a couple buddies or my son was goose hunting this year earlier this year they had some really good success they had harvested a few geese but to watch that kind of blossom makes me proud as a dad and i think the beauty of this state is that there are still millions and millions of people that that is important to so we you know have a pretty good group of people who want to you know protect land protect water uh, protect the various species. We may not agree with every decision made by the governing bodies about stuff, but it's at least we're all coming basically from the same place, a love of the outdoors and a, and a desire to preserve it. I, you know, I hope so, Kevin, because I love the fact that, you know, we have endless grouse trails. We have tons of state land. We have water that's open to public. And, uh, you know, those are opportunities that people come to Minnesota and they see and they, they're like, wow, I, you know, they pull up, you know, pull up their their maps or whatever and they can't believe the availability of you know state land federal land the lake accesses that are all over so yeah i'm with you i mean um there's a lot of people in the state that have varying opinions when it comes to politics and that sort of thing but i think there's enough people in the state that care enough about the resources that you know we can continue on these traditions for years to come absolutely all right, Tony, speaking of traditions, before we wrap it up, we got to do a Fast Five. Are you ready? I'm ready, Kev. Fast Five with Tony Roach. Fast Five. Did I stutter? Question number one, you already referred to it, so I know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you a coffee drinker? Love coffee. Every morning. <laughs> Cherish coffee. I, 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 I love it. That's one of the highlights of my day is firing up that coffee pot. Uh, black or additives? Just black coffee. That's all I need. Do you, do you have a particular brand that matters to you, or just coffee? Uh, you know, I'm not really a coffee snob. I can drink gas station coffee. I can drink coffee anywhere. I do like caribou. I think caribou coffee tastes the best to me, but I, I can drink it all. To me, as long as it tastes like coffee and not hot water, I'm good to go. I'm with you, Kev. <laughs> all right, question number two. Speaking of beverages, are you a pop drinker? You know, as a kid, no. I uh, didn't drink a lot of soda. We just didn't have a lot in our house. It was more water, Kool-Aid, that sort of thing. As an adult, I tend to find myself drinking the zero sugar pops all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> and this just started in the last year. So, yes, I've, I've been indulging on these zero sugar pops. I don't know if they're good for you or not. Probably not, but what the heck. All right. Question number three. Who was your high school celebrity crush? Oh, man, Celebrity Crush. Uh, it'd have to be, uh, I don't even know their names, but Saved by the Bell. Some of the girls on Saved <laughs> by the Bell when I was a uh, little kid. Uh, that's all. That's the first thing that comes to mind, Kevin. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, question number four. And, and you would think this would be an obvious answer in Minnesota, but it is not. People have surprised me, so I'm going with it. Uh, Vikings or Packers? 
Oh, Vikings fan. Thank Hand, God. Hands down, Vikings <laughs> fan. Grew up in northern Minnesota watching the Vikings. The 98 Vikings uh, broke my heart. Yeah. The 2009 Vikings broke my heart. But guess what? I still enjoy watching or listening to the games. I love driving around, even out in the Dakotas, because they're huge Vikings fans, listening to the game while I'm present hunting. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a, it's PA brings something to, to, the, to the broadcast, that's for sure. 100%. Yeah. All right. Finally, question number five. What is the best way, in your opinion, to prepare fish? for dinner oh i it's hard to beat the family fish fry i grew up uh you know we we grew up on sundays my parents would get together with friends a lot especially in the winter and we'd have a sunday fish fry and everybody kind of bring a dish whether it's you know corn or mac and cheese or salads and you know uh deep fry fish it's hard to beat although I like it all sorts of different ways, grilled, whatever, but it's, it's hard to beat the fish fry, Kev. Do you guys have your own uh, fish batter that you've created, or do you use one, a commercial yep, one? Yeah, nope, there's, uh, there's variances within the Roach family. We all have our own type of batter. Obviously, Gary, mm-hmm. you know, he has his own. My grandpa kind of had his own. My dad, my, me. I think I've perfected it, but, of course you, uh, have. you know, it's hard when I go over and I have a fish fry at Carrier Bev's house. Uh, <laughs> that's hard to beat. Yeah. She's been doing it so long. They perfe- <laughs> I I would like to claim the title for the Fish Fryer Award, but uh, my Aunt Bev can cook some serious fish, and, and she does it to perfection. Okay. I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. Hey, Tony, is uh, ice fishing fun fishing for you, or are you guiding during the ice fishing season too? Nope, guiding for the ice fishing season as well. I try to fun fish as much as I can with kids. Uh, uh, you know, when I'm not guiding, I'm guiding, if that makes yeah, sense. Yep, so yep. I've got a, a, a like a sort of this following of uh, ice anglers that are teenagers and my, my son and his buddies and their friends. And I try to show them different techniques, uh, you know, the different electronics, all the newest, coolest stuff. I let them borrow a lot of my stuff as long as they bring it back in one tack, in one piece, and intact. Um, yeah, so I, I try to get out as much as I can away from just work because I never want fishing to become just work to me. Uh, I always want to be able to enjoy it as, as I always have. All right, and if somebody wants to do a, a, a nice fishing trip with you, how do they go about doing that? You can go to roachesguideservice.com, uh, look me up on Facebook, uh, Tony Roach Fishing on Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. So, All right. He's Tony Roach of uh, Roach's Guide Service, one of the great guys of fishing. Love having him on the show. Tony, thanks for taking the time to talk uh, uh, well, about a million different things. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Kev. I mean, I hope everybody enjoys this fall season, and ice is just around the corner. Bob Bunyan Country. Kev, I love your show. I love listening to it always.